You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. From the newsroom at Eater, I'm Amanda Clute. I'm Daniel Janine. And this is Eater's Digest, a show about all things food and dining. With a little help from the biggest names in the world of food and the team here at Eater, we try to understand what's happening right now in kitchens, restaurants, and dining rooms around the world. Today on the show, we are diving into the weird and wild world of spiked seltzer. Diving into that carbonated pool. A.K.A. White Claw and its brethren. We're going to talk about what it is, why it got to be so big, and then we're going to have a little taste test with the professional. And then later, we are going to give an update on the Popeye's chicken sandwich We're going to talk about some Disney shenanigans and the latest viral recipe sweeping the internet. So, Daniel, you know that Spike Seltzer has been the most talked about drink this summer. Yeah. Can you tell me what it is? Spiked Seltzer is a can filled with carbonated water and typically sugar alcohol Mm -hmm. with a flavoring, of course. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Like the LaCroix that I know and love, but alcoholic. Like an alcoholic LaCroix. Let me tell you a fact I learned in researching this show. White Claw sales, White Claw is a brand of Spike Seltzer, sales are up 289% this year compared to last year. And hard seltzer sales overall, the whole category, is up 164% July 2019 from July 2018. Are they stomping on beer? Beer sales are down like 1% or 2%. But the secret is... All of these brands are owned by the beer companies. Mm-hmm. So InBev is doing just fine. Some of the big brands to know, for those who aren't familiar with this category, White Claw has 50% market share, but then there's Truly, Henry, Naughty, Press. Pretty much every beer brand is coming out with their own. I think Natty Light just yeah. launched theirs. Natty Light Seltzer. Four Loco is getting into the game. Four Loco is getting into the game. Strangely enough, with a kind of high alcohol version because these are all like five to six percent like in the beer range ABV. Strange knowing this category, not strange knowing Four Loco. <laughs> yes, I guess on brand for Four Loco, theirs is going to be around 14 percent. We have covered this, of course, across the country. This is not just a grocery store staple. You can find these in bars. Uh, we talked to a couple of bars in D.C. where they're selling hundreds and hundreds of cans of White Claw per night. Wow. There are bar- there's a bar in Houston that sells a White Claw cocktail where they pour in juices and elixirs and serve it with some mango and all kinds of shit. It's it's on, Daniel. 
It is real. To get a sense of hard seltzer and White Claw in its natural habitat, I don't know if it's natural habitat, but one of its natural habitats, the beach, we went to the beach to talk to some people. There's no laws when you're drinking claws. Huh? Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. It tastes just like seltzer, just like flavored seltzer, like LaCroix. It's like five, less than 5% alcohol, so you can just be like, for those who can't see me, it's this. It's not as high calories as beer. It's easier to drink. doesn't make you as full. Yeah, they go down so easy. They taste pretty good. So I'm what they would call an alcoholic seltzer connoisseur. And I have to say, White Claw's superior, but Truly comes very close second. Hey, Truly, we are taking over and they're fucking men. <laughs> Emma, we're we're on that, the radio. That. it's less filling, has more or less the same alcohol content, and it's shit, 90 calories. White Claw, they have like black cherry or whatever. That's a good one. That's a good Everyone one. loves black cherry, everyone hates grapefruit. I mean, I prefer lime just because, like, I'm not into the fruity shit. Guys have like owned it and they like kind of joke about it, but they secretly really love it. Because you can drink more of it and not feel full. All my buddies started drinking it. We went through like 10 cases last weekend on the Jersey Shore. It's like nine dudes just strictly drinking White Claws. I think we're in 2019 and you can't necessarily define what masculinity is depending on the alcoholic beverage that you drink. Has it replaced other beverages for you this summer? All water. <laughs> so I can be drinking gin and tonics all night and wake up and have a three-day hangover, and that's terrible. Or I can drink 15 White Claws. <laughs> I can wake up and go to work totally fine, and it's a Tuesday. At the end of the day, you really have to go with the White Claws. Amanda, because we love to overanalyze and because this drink is the drink of the summer, we created some categories to try to explain why it is having such a moment. First up, health. Right. As you know, Daniel, this is a low-calorie drink, which is very important for people who are counting calories and care about their figures. Counting calories and also counting sugar and counting carbs. Oh, yeah. These drinks yeah. are a bunch of zeros across the board. Yeah. All right? A shutout. It's basically like a vodka soda. See, for me, vodka soda was always the sign of a, of a healthy drinker, you know? Ah, Someone uh -huh. who was out there to get, get turned but also to monitor their intake. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, to me, these drinks are, vodka soda is the godfather, but these drinks are not straying. I think they're just accessible in a new way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Great. Yeah, it's like a, it's a canned vodka soda, but with also a flavor. Because my, problem with, with vodka, flavor, my yeah. problem with vodka soda is it tastes like shit. Mm -hmm. So if you put a little, a little flavor in there, make it a little more palatable, I'm on board. Uh, also, in the health category, we should mention that most of these are gluten-free. They sure are. So yeah. people care about that. Beer drinkers who can't handle gluten or just don't want it might gravitate towards a spike seltzer. I think, yeah, and I think another major point here is that uh, people like activities. Activities are big, and you can't really slam a beer and then play spike ball in mm. the same way. You know, Fair point. Yeah. Man, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am constantly fighting the hangovers. Ooh. Yeah. I'm battling them a lot. But one of the ways I soften them up a little bit is by not drinking any sugar. Category two. The seltzer bubble. When Four Loco dropped their new spiked seltzer product, mm -hmm. they captioned it 
hard seltzer ran so we could fly. Yeah. But really, I think that the seltzer movement or LaCroix ran so hard seltzer could fly. Yes, you I, can't separate this movement. I don't think this drink would be having its boom without the boom of seltzer. Seltzer has been big for the last two years as people try to get off of soda mm-hmm. and they realize like, oh, Coke is not good for me. I need to drink something that has zero calories. Yep. And so they've been getting into LaCroix and all of the LaCroix competitors. And now, oh, here's an alcoholic version. I can just continue my LaCroix habit. It's just water with a little bit of fun. Yeah. Uh, next category, sobriety. Did you know sobriety is in? It's in, Daniel. Is it in? Yeah, it's Are in. there sober influencers? I think there are. Oh, yeah. People are also sober curious. People are just trying to get <laughs> into. Oh, yeah. Big time. So low ABV drinks in general are kind of on the rise. Yep. And while this is not that much different than a beer in terms of how alcoholic it is, I mm-hmm. think it just plays into this idea of people trying to get into session drinks or trying to have a drink that is just not going to completely, you know, kill them. Next up, it is trendy. Okay. Oh, yeah. White Claw is inexpensive. These seltzer drinks are inexpensive and also cool in a way that is both ironic and unironic. Yes. Well, also the cans are very cute and pretty and aspirational and fancy looking. So they're good for the Instagram, but they're cheap. It's an accessible Instagram thing. I actually think that this this movement parallels the obsession with the jewel a little bit mm. because it is better for you than the thing that everyone was used to. Yep. It is, like, fun. People make jokes about it. People love making jewel jokes. People love making jokes about hard seltzer. I bet the teens love it, too. I'm not going to make any. I don't know. I don't go to teen parties anymore. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) But I'm just assuming. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, that's not the point you were making, but I think you're right that it is like the jewel. Mm -hmm. Fun flavors. They're a little bit healthier. Yeah. Easy to sneak into places. Which leads us to portability. And the low-key aspect of these cans. You could carry them around in your purse, on the subway, into your high school. Who knows? Kids these days. Kids these days. And no one's really going to know. Have you ever drank uh, White Claw on the subway? I have not. Hmm. Have you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have. (laughs) Yeah, and you don't feel bad about it. I, I did it and didn't worry. I didn't fear the law. You know where you could bring them? The movies. Yeah. It depends on the security at the theater. True, true. They might check your purse. Or your tote bag. Or your tote. <laughs> I think that a lot of people would want to drink vodka soda or tequila soda on the beach, mm-hmm. but no one wants to bring the mixers. Yeah, bringing you- whole bottles, inconvenient and expensive. All right, last category, bro culture. Don't know anything about it. <laughs> you know nothing about bro culture. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay. The bros have embraced White Claw. Mm-hmm. Even though these kinds of drinks have in the past, i.e. Zima. What's the Zima story? There was a spiked seltzer-ish drink called Zima in the 90s. They tried to market it to men. Mm-hmm. It was completely not embraced. Mm-hmm. People on late night shows used to make fun of Zima and guys who drank Zima as girly or kind of silly and now it's completely accepted. I think if they they're bringing back Zima, right? They Are tried they, to bring it back and it failed. Well, <laughs> over two Zima. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Move but on. Didn't they have that mo- that commercial that something something it's different? Something different was their marketing slogan. Yeah. I mean, 
I think they were stumbling out of the gate with that one. <laughs> Maybe there were a lot of things wrong with Zima. <laughs> but in this iteration of Spike Seltzer, guys are all in. At first, I think it was kind of ironic, but now people seem to be embracing it with earnestness because now evolved bros can accept their love of health. Yeah. I think when something is better, it's going to eventually catch on. These are going to make people feel better in the morning. They're mm-hmm. making them feel more active. But what about Zima? I think that was before the health movement launched primarily out of the Jersey Shore television show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that where evolved healthy bros came to be? No. Guys I, who could care about their body very publicly? I don't think so. But I can't think of an earlier representation of like an egg white bro you know, mm-hmm. on on mainstream television. So for me, that was a really important, a pivotal moment in my life. Um, I started doing my own laundry. (laughs) (laughs) So part of White Claw getting adopted by bro culture, ironically or not, is a video from Trevor Wallace. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. So he is a comedian? Yeah, like a viney, YouTube-y comedian, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he did a kind of tongue-in-cheek satire video where he's this bro who just loves White Claw. Yeah. White Claw Summer 2019, baby. Coined a phrase. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, baby. Ain't no laws oh, when you're drinking claws. My bad. Right? I mean, it's basically just a rich person's limerita. All right. people now have t-shirts that, that say that. I think people that say they it, tried actually. to make the t-shirt, but White Claw. Oh, White Claw White Claw them. put a stop to it. And Said I think there they, actually are laws. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny, you know? It's funny, they get it. Shows you that White Claw gets it. Well, of course. What do you think about this expression, ain't no laws when you're drinking claws? I hate it. Well, it's awful. I think he said it in a way where he was, you know, he was acting as a gross bro. Yeah, satire, but then it becomes accepted and then people say it ironically and then unironically. And then it's just like a snake eating its own tail. It legitimizes a lot of very (laughs) wrong, very terrible behavior. (laughs) There are lots of laws. Please follow them. All right. So to really understand... Spike Seltzer and which is the best Spike Seltzer, which one we should be buying, we brought to the studio John DeBerry, noted bartender, seltzer expert, I think, and <laughs> all around beverage. great human. Welcome uh, to the studio. Thanks for having me. Could you talk a little bit about the alcohol that's in these? It's a just sugar alcohol, a fermented sugar alcohol? Basically, yeah. So I'm not like an expert on what a malt beverage is, um, but you know, because of our like super cockamamie liquor laws, we can't just put like vodka and soda into a can. Mm. Uh, and I desperately wish that we could. Like in Japan, you can get like Japanese whiskey highballs at 7-Eleven and it's like heaven. Basically, a malt beverage is just a very high alcohol beer that's made with like grain and usually sugar to like ferment into something that's like higher, like more 12, 20 percent alcohol. So it's not a spirit in direct sense. It's basically just like a flavorless beer that's Mm. then flavored. Mm. John, you have never had a spiked seltzer before, and we are going to as quick as we can run through all these flavors and get your take on them. Yeah. But as someone who is, uh, you know, a a culinary expert in the field of of mixology, you you have a good sense of what these are going to taste like. You know that there's like... I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I know that from experience, I've been developing something uh, like a a drink and... Are you getting into this game? Not this, no. But next podcast, we'll talk about it. Um, (laughs) But it's really, really, really hard to do this and make it taste good. And berry flavors are kind of gross. Like, grapefruit's really easy to do. Hibiscus is also very easy. Cranberry is easy. So it's like, you know, they pick the right ones, whereas, like, people trying to do, like, blue raspberry, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. people are like watermelon. Like, it tastes, like, bubblicious. We're going to start with grapefruit, bon, and viv. 
Oh, great sound. I, my initial reaction is that it's like surprisingly flavorless. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm like, oh. How, how's the aftertaste? It's a little tinny, like a little, like almost metallic. Mm-hmm. Like a bee. Okay. I would oh, not I would, drink this. I would, if someone gave this to me, I would drink it again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next. Clementine hibiscus. You don't get a lot of hibiscus in this one. So it what tastes we... like if you ate a clementine peel. Grade? Like a C. All C. right. Cranberry time. I hate the smell of this one. You like right. it? Right. Oh, he likes yeah. it. Also a B? Also a B. B, B yeah. plus? Pear elderflower. Oof. Yeah, I kind of like it, actually. Yeah, this one rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's by far the best one for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's like Jolly Rancher. But I think that's why it's good. Yeah, like, Jolly it Rancher. doesn't try to be something it's not. It's just, mm-hmm. like, candied water. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Truly. I'm a huge Costco fan, and I don't mean this is a slight to Costco, but Truly looks like the Costco seltzer. Yes. It's like Kirkland. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, here we go. It's- Truly. This really has huh. some aroma. Yeah, that's, that's the worst one I've had so far. Yeah. This very whole, medicinal. Very medicinal. This whole mix pack is like a huge red flag for me because it's all berry. Mm-hmm. And berry is like kind of yeah. doesn't always crush it on the artificial flavor. We should try black cherry claw now to compare since we yeah, just had black cherry idea. truly. It's better. There's also this like kind of burnt sugar caramel thing that's been actually in a lot of these. I think it's probably because of the the way they make the malt. Let's keep clawing. I want to try this grapefruit claw because I think this is what I would gravitate towards Same. if I were on the beach. Thank you all for adopting claw instead of white claw. I <laughs> Okay, we have got some head some some positive head nodding. Yeah, this is legit good. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. Yeah, like the bar is pretty low here. <laughs> and like the success fail rate, like the the margin between the two is pretty pretty narrow. I feel like the the goal with these is to like be aggressively fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To wrap up, mm-hmm. I think we've decided that <laughs> these things exist. They're a fact of life. They're very practical uh, in terms of how good they are. We're, we're operating within a small window of quality. Mm-hmm. And even the worst one of these, someone gives one to you at a party, you're not going to turn it down, right? Yeah, no. And the best one, you're not going to get excited, are no. you? If you're at a convenience store that's a block away from the party and they have the worst flavor or and you can choose to walk five blocks and get the best, don't. Just get the worst Just, one yeah. and go to the party and live your life. Or get a pack of Budweiser. <laughs> I think a, a major point that like seems so obvious that maybe we don't even need to talk about it is that if you really wanted to be healthy, you would just not drink. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that one of the reasons that alcohol things get so trendy and become so adopted by the culture in an ironic or an unironic way is that I think that a lot of like bro culture especially but like party culture are looking for like m- minor justifications and and ways that it's like that legitimizes their drinking or makes their drinking feel like they're part of a, a movement or a fun thing and to kind of like drown out the idea that they're just drinking to get drunk. Like, right. but, but don't you think with party culture, people are very open about that they're drinking just to drink? But I think like, like we're going to get drunk tonight. Sure. Like, but I'm someone vibe. who would say that. Uh-huh. But I'm also looking for these like slight justifications like let's have a claw night. It's a way to keep it from being depressing and a way to prevent having to admit what the thing truly is. And that's why I feel like summer to summer, there's always a thing that's going to be fun and cutesy. And it's just a way to distance ourselves from what's actually going on here, which is mm-hmm. just that we're people all getting drunk. People getting drunk. People nervous want to be chill. White Claw is the way to hide your disorder. All right, Amanda, when we get back from break, 
we are going to go over the biggest food stories of the week. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, bud. At this point in the show, hey, bud. we talk about the biggest food stories of the week. Yes, we do. We separate them with the sound of a ding like this. And uh, I have uh, nothing else to say. I've got my salts already. Let's get into it. Okay, Daniel, the biggest story of last week, as you know, was the Popeye's chicken sandwich and how obsessed everyone was with it. People were waiting in lines across the nation to get the sandwich. This week, Popeye's announced that they are officially sold out of the sandwich. Officially gone. Right. They're not officially sold out of the sandwich. They said... They're no for longer going to sell the sandwich, but... For them now, saying we are, we're done. We're officially sold out. They're being cute with saying sure. they're sold out. They're just, their infrastructure can't handle the sandwich right now. Yes. So they are halting the sale of it. So a lot of people were saying, why can't you just, I'll bring my own bun, mm. sell me, and the then make, put the sandwich together And for then it's me. a spice rub. I mean, but it, someone was saying it's different. It's well, not they don't just, sell a chicken sandwich. Yeah. So it's a, it's a larger piece of chicken. It's a larger piece of chicken. That's fine. It's I not get just it. two tenders. So they're sold out of the chicken. And then here's the interesting part, I think. They tweeted later, want to be the first to know when it's back, download the Popeyes app and turn on push notifications. Oh, yeah. So it's all a The scam. spin is in. Yeah. Trying, uh, to get, trying to get some downloads. We've established that it is the biggest fast food release, uh, certainly of, of our time. And so I don't. I think they couldn't have been expecting something this great. So they must have regrouped this week. Oh, yeah. And they were like, how can we, how can we channel this into something? And they thought, let's well, use it and, to drive traffic probably, to the Probably, honestly, they had to regroup to figure out how can they get a handle on this thing because it was getting a little out of control. Right. And they don't want people to have the bad customer experience that they were having, waiting and having things be sold out. Stories were starting to come out about workers who yeah. had terrible experiences being on the other side of it and had to work overtime and right. blah, blah, blah. So I think they had to just like shut it down for a minute. Yeah. Baker's stuff out. Harness that fire. Yeah, because this was out of control. How do you think it'll, what do you think is going to happen when they re-release it? When they say, okay, we got it back. I don't know. I would assume <laughs> that the interest would die down after a couple of weeks, but maybe not. Yeah. Maybe people are just going to be obsessed with this for a long time. Do you think, uh, in your opinion, if they just shut it down forever, has Popeye's grown in popularity from this time or I bet they got some new customers for sure. But don't you think those people who are the new customers like I'm less I feel like personally I didn't I never got my hands on a sandwich. Uh-huh. I'm less likely to go to a Popeyes now if they don't have it. Why? Cuz I'd be frustrated that I couldn't get it. I think the I think the win is for the people who did not know Popeyes went in to try the sandwich and then they're now a new customer. Mm-hmm. And the people who were diehard for Popeyes now appreciate there's a new item. Right? I'm curious whether this grew their customer base mm-hmm. if they never release the sandwich again. And other chicken sandwich news mm-hmm. this week, KFC released a Beyond Chicken fried chicken sandwich, meaning fake chicken. What is interesting about this is not that they're doing a fake chicken chicken sandwich, but that they released it in one store 
and there were crazy lines. Hmm. So people now just love lining up for, for a chi- new thing. Well, they don't products. know if they're going to stumble into the next big chicken sandwich right. and be I one of the early adopters. Also, wonder cynically if they made this release, they primed it for lines. Like they released it in one place, they did a big publicity push. Hmm. Like they were trying to recreate, they wanted to be part of this narrative of people waiting in line for chicken. Like how nightclubs keep people outside? Yeah. Or if they moved it up to try to catch some of this wave. Yeah, like maybe they were going to release it next month and they're like, wait a minute, people care about chicken. People care about new product releases involving chicken. Yeah. We missed the chicken boat with a sandwich. Let's do this. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's impossible to look at a release like this and not be like, how can we take some of how can we take this blueprint and apply it to our own yeah. release? Would you eat a Beyond Chicken Fried Chicken? Kentucky Fake Chicken? Kentucky Fake Chicken? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll eat all these things. I went to Dave and Buster's last night and got an Impossible Burger with bacon on it. <laughs> Only because I would be like, that'd be a funny thing to take a picture of. <laughs> <laughs> How was Dave and Buster's? <laughs> That's irrelevant. <laughs> I've heard it wasn't that good though, right? Isn't that the word on the street? Like, isn't that isn't it interesting though? I feel like the one thing about the the Popeyes chicken was that it came out and and they weren't throwing gas on the fire initially. It was just yeah, it was considered not, it was a not good a, sandwich. It was not a gimmick. There were people. This was word of mouth. Tweeting social out, media. being like, "Boy, yeah. this new sandwich is really good." Because mm-hmm. sandwiches come out all the time, you know. Yeah, I think it's a big deal though. I feel like the first I've, we've talked about this before, but the first time any of these brands released their first fake meat product. It's now going to be a thing. Yeah. Who hasn't? McDonald's. When McDonald's well, does Arby's. it. Arby's. <laughs> yeah. McDonald's. When McDonald's, yet. whatever they release first, it's going to be momentous. Yeah. So, Daniel, recently Weight Watchers, now known as WW, launched an app for kids. And we have asked one of our writers and editors, Amy McCarthy, to come on the show to tell us about it. Hey, Amy. Hi. How are you guys? So tell us, what what is the app doing and who are they targeting? So the app targets kids as young as eight. I think they go up to about age 17 that they recommend for the program. The app itself is free. Um, And you can download it on the App Store, which I did. And you put in your height and weight and what your goals are. They offer you some options, which are pretty sad, including, of course, lose weight, make your parents happy, and things like making more friends or being more confident. It's just kind of a really sad thing overall. And once you're into the app and you've set your goals, you can input the foods that you eat every day. So if you eat a cheeseburger, that would be a red food, um, which would be something that you would want to think about or be mindful of, I think is the wording that they use. Or a yellow food or things like bread or peanut butter, things like that. And then green foods, going in the same like red light, green light system that you're familiar with, are things like fruits and vegetables. Pretty much it. I don't think there are any other green foods that are not fruits or vegetables. And those are things that you can eat kind of infinitely, according to the program. Mm -hmm. But you're limited in the number of red foods that you can have every day. So I kind of use the app as if I was a overweight, according to the BMI scale, 13-year-old. And input, you know, various ranges of foods. Like one day I said that I ate pineapple all day. 
for all three meals, and that didn't really seem to trigger anything with the with the app. And so, the for those who don't know, Weight Watchers or WW, it's it's based on a point system. So they're kind of taking what they do there, but taking the points away for the kids. So it's just red light, green light, yellow light. Right. It's much more simplified. And according to the company, this is a program that was developed by Stanford University to kind of make that process easier. And they say it doesn't create the same kind of issues that, you know, maybe assigning a number value to a food might do in terms of how kids do things versus, you know, good versus bad. But we know that's really not the case, right? Like kids aren't stupid. Amy, when you said that it asked you questions at the beginning, like what you wanted the app for, um, what do you think they were doing with that information? Was it changing your diet if you wanted to make more friends or was it just to collect that data? I think that they are really interested from a market research perspective in what's motivating young people to lose weight. I firmly believe that Kerbo and any other things that Weight Watchers does to target children is just a plan for the future. If you can create that customer at age 10, the likelihood that they're going to diet for the rest of their lives is incredibly high. But just like dating apps are meant to help you meet someone so you no longer have to be on dating apps, wouldn't the point of a diet app be to help someone get, quote unquote, healthy so they no longer have to use a diet app? Oh, no, no, no. Weight Watchers is a lifelong program. And especially with the original Weight Watchers, I refuse to call it WW because it's so disingenuous. Like it's still Weight Watchers. They're, you know, they're, the people who lead Weight Watchers meetings are what they call lifetime members. They're people that have what? maintained their goal weight. And you're supposed to stay on the plan forever. You're supposed to keep tracking so that you don't slip up and have to lose the weight again. You know, they very much sell it as a way to healthily, which there's really not a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Be obsessive about every bite of food that goes into your mouth. Can you talk a little bit about the problems of targeting a weight loss app to children in general? I think the biggest problem is that there's really not any scientific backing for programs targeted at children and in terms of weight loss. Um, as the piece that I wrote for Eater kind of explains, there's really not a way that you know, experts know of for kids to diet safely. The other thing is I can just say from my own experience that getting kids on diets at really young ages, you know, I've heard people say as young as four, eight. Um, I was about 10, I would think, when that started for me. And it really has had lifelong consequences in terms of how I view food. Has um, Weight Watchers responded at all to this backlash? It's just like I read a piece in The Atlantic where the company representative or the spokesperson, whoever, was sort of trying to equivocate and say that there was no evidence that eating disorders were associated with these types of programs. But I just don't think that that's necessarily responsive to the fact that we're talking about an entirely new crop of kids who are going to be introduced to this app and who are going to be introduced to calorie counting in whatever way they're doing it, whether it's stoplights or points or the actual numbers themselves, you know, we know the entire body of research that suggests that this predisposes, especially young girls, to things like eating disorders. Well, thank you so much for writing this piece and for taking the time to talk to us, Amy. Of course. Thank you, guys. We're going to talk about this once. We don't ever have to talk about it again. Uh But there was a recipe that went viral this weekend. 
It's by a recipe site called Twisted. It looks exactly like all those tasty videos that were huge mm-hmm. four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Top down, just hands and pans, building a thing. We've never talked about those recipe, no. those videos before. This one went insanely viral, and people are saying, you know, it's not the craziest recipe that's ever been done. Okay, so we should describe the video. Uh, they're first. It starts with them putting together a marinade. They marinate some chicken. They put the chicken in a pan. Then they pull the chicken, add onions, green peppers, some other stuff. Then they they make a giant quesadilla, like a really thick sandwich thickness quesadilla. Mm-hmm. And then they deep fry um, slices of the quesadilla, so yep. it's like like a pie size. And then they cover it in pizza toppings, and then quote unquote grill it. And then it becomes the the pizza dia, and it, the end thing ends up being like two or three inches thick. I think what made this one different is that at every stop in the progression of it, it could have been a dish. So yeah. the chicken could have been just broiled chicken, th- and then the quesadilla could have just been a quesadilla, and, and then the deep adding, fried quesadilla could have just been a fried quesadilla, and then the pizza on top. I think what it also was is that it wasn't so far to be satire and it wasn't <laughs> so obscene that you knew it was like, oh, that's a crazy thing. Like, because there is that genre of recipe video and YouTube video right. where it's like Which epic mealtime and they do something obscene or, or, or not just parody, but like we're doing something gross and then we're right. going to eat it. It's not it's like serious. And there was a long conversation we had in the office when this first came out, where people were trying to decide, is this a joke or not? Mm-hmm. And I think the opinion was pretty divided. Like half people saying, like, no, this is a this is a troll. This is satire. This is just very subtle because it's it's following the genre exactly, and it just pushes it a little too far. And everyone else is like, no, I think this is for real. And we reached out to them, and they said, yes, this is a real recipe. Right. We make it. It's delicious. It's a little extreme, but it's not the craziest thing we've done. First of all, with these videos, the more evolution you have and just having done some work on things not as basic as this, but similar food porny videos, mm-hmm. the, the the bigger the reveal can be when you slice into it, yeah. the more excited everyone's going to yeah. get about the thing. So they know they're playing the game. So it may not be satire in the traditional sense, but they're like, what is the most ridiculous, like what thing can we make that evolves the most that is going to have the most dramatic slice shot? Well, then I think it's not satire, it's cynical in that they are devising this to give you the biggest payoff. But yeah. it's definitely not satire in that they are earnest about it. They're like, let's make a video they're of earnestly, a thing. Right. But they're not thinking about it from a food perspective. It's no, more but they're not just trying to make a joke. They are like, this is their, this is really what they're trying to do. But do you think that whoever, you know, whoever does this comes home from a long day of developing monstrosities and kicks their feet up on the couch with a glass of wine and was just, and is like, I did good today. Like, they're, they know what they're doing is silly. I would never uh, judge someone I'm not for judging that. them. <laughs> I'm not judging them. I mean, I would never try to put myself in that frame of mind. Like, maybe they do get home and they're like, yeah, I did what I was supposed to do today. I they did, did a great good. job. Yeah. But I don't think they'd be like, I, I made I, impressive food. There are all like, kinds of- Like, there's no of, way if they met at a pub after, because it's uh-huh. English, you know, pub, uh, they meet their friends. They're like, what did you do today? Whoever said, there's no way a smirk doesn't smash across well, their face when they're like, I made a pizza dia. I think what also made this recipe go so viral is that it looks 
kind of good. Oh, yeah. Everyone wants you know? to try it. So I think they could get home and be like, I made a delicious thing today that is going to get us tons of views. And I really innovated when it came to making a quesadilla and frying it and turning it into a pizza and dipping it in sauce. And like people are going to serve this at their next dinner party. Okay. That's so generous. I mean, I could come up with... I'm just saying there are different options for the state of mind. Or they could have been like, <laughs> I'm going to get all the views because I got the biggest like reveal shot. The thing that I'm most excited about it from a food perspective, I appreciate the flat edge, the battering and the coating of the flat edges mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm. So the chicken is creates a nice wall for the coat. It makes me want to fry a piece of cake. You know, like I think that there's something really nice about dipping a, a flat side into <laughs> egg and yes. then into flour and then into into. If we're really getting into it, the people who devise this put some time and effort into it because they, you know, there's a lot of chilling involved between the steps. Yeah, this is a day long. This is like a weekend project. No, and you know what? I was being cynical. You're right. They should be so satisfied with the amount of chilling and yes. all the innovation that went into. There's I some mean, like, craft. The, as the resident Disney file here at Eater's Digest, mm-hmm. I would like to tell you about a new ride that is coming to Walt Disney World. You ready? Uh, f- yes. Okay. <laughs> You've never been to Disney World, right? You don't care. I have. Okay. I have. Anyway, it's the Ratatouille ride. Okay. <laughs> You've seen this movie, right? I wish I could just describe your face. <laughs> There's one there's one time when I was like, what's it like having kids? And you just turned and you smiled and you were like, pure joy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only other time I've seen you make a face like that. Uh, yep. It's the Ratatouille ride. It's the Ratatouille ride. What happens? Is it just teacups or they something? They shrink you down. So Step you're one. the size of a rat. Okay. And all the food is large. You're in the fridge. I don't know. It's not, I bet it's going to be great. How Here, do they let shrink me, you down? Let, I mean, through the magic of illusion. Oh, okay. So no, you're they in don't. A... They don't actually. Sorry, they don't actually shrink you. Right. You remain the same size. Right. Everything around you, though, in the ride becomes, expands becomes, dramatically. Becomes very large <laughs> okay. to make it seem like right. you are very small. That's pretty cool. So it's just a giant. You're in a an enormous kitchen. The ride will seemingly shrink riders down to the size of a tiny chef with trackless vehicles whizzing them through a walk-in fridge, underneath a stove, and yes, past big food, providing the miniature sous chef perspective you never knew you needed. What is it about this this Ratatouille movie? People love Ratatouille. What a crazy following that movie has. I know. And it's just like every year something else comes up that's Ratatouille based. Good for them. You know what? For never making a sequel. Did they make a, a, a squeakle to that movie? No, they Thank did not. God. Yeah, yeah, it was. A, it's a Disney movie that's not about romance, which is nice. It's about food, which of course we love. Oh yeah, it's about um, I don't know, picking yourself up by your bootstraps and making it work. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what know. else is it about? <laughs> no. like, yeah, it's about consumerism and selling out and criticism. Who knows? It's yeah. great, great. Speaking movie. of consumerism and selling out, can't wait to go check out the ride at Disney World. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to feel shame for enjoying a Disney ride. I wonder how big the room is going to have to be to make you feel. Oh, huge! It's going to be have to huge. It's going to be a huge room. Yeah, it's going to be an expensive ride. Oh yeah. Which part of the kitchen are you most excited to see? <laughs> uh, Do you think you'll be whisked into a into a soup or something? I guess I'm excited to see if it smells like food in there. Oh. That is a great point. Mm -hmm. I bet it will. I bet it will. Yeah. Although, can I tell you something? Sure. A little bit unrelated? Uh Uh-huh. There's this movie theater. 
I don't think I'm going to hit anything. I've ever hit anything on this podcast harder than I'm going to hit the 4DX movie experience at Regal Union Square and all of the Regals. Actually, I don't know where they have 4DX, but they all should just burn in flames. So Uh it is this uh, immersive movie experience where you sit. And I love movies. So sometimes I freaking end up there and it's like they don't you don't see on the app whether you're signed up for a 4DX mm. movie or a regular mm-hmm. one, Tricky. especially someone like me who's just a drop-in guy. I'm just a drop-in guy at sure. the end of the day. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I have to sit in these theaters. When there's food or when there's rain going on in the movie, not only are the seats moving around in a way that is not fun but is purely <laughs> uncomfortable, when there is rain, all of a sudden you hear this... <laughs> You, I swear to God, it sounds like that. And then there's little droplets it's of water that just land on your head. You can turn it off and on, but sometimes the off button doesn't work. And it's just like, it's, it's rains. Like, just get the hell out of the seat. No I don't one wants that. And then there's like, psh, when there's a smell, there's some smell thing. There's like a smoke thing. It is so, it is like hilariously awful. I've sat in these movies. I've watched a jarring movie in this. I've Nothing has ever made me as sick as this experience. I cannot believe that in Union Square, where space is tight, They've wasted an entire theater with this dumb, rumbly bullshit, and I want it to end. And I can't Disney wait. Disney for- is much more advanced. They are. They they've, would never worked out the kinks. On they that wouldn't kind of let thing. something would like never. this. They would never fly. No. No. But just to to be in a movie and to know you're going to smell something and to see the little tiny nozzle that the smell is coming. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine in what world did they think that would be immersive. No. Okay, Daniel, second Disney story. Uh, As part of the big launch around the Star Wars land in Walt Disney World, which they also opened in Disneyland earlier this year, Disney has a collaboration with Star Wars with these special cups for your Coke, your spray, your water, uh, and they look like thermal detonators from the Star Wars film franchise. (laughs) They do look you, like thermal detonators. Do you know? That's, that's your take on them? <laughs> you're like, you saw I, them and you're like, that's a thermal, thermal detonator. Thermal detonator. They As you can tell, they call them right I am not a Star Wars expert, but for those of you who have not seen this, it looks like a grenade. Mm-hmm. It, looks like, it looks like a very cute Coca-Cola grenade. Yeah. The Coke, Diet Coke, and Sprite bottles were designed to look like the spherical explosive weapons used by bounty hunters and stormtroopers in the Star Wars universe. Okay. So, very cute, very fun. I'm sure any Star Wars fan might want to buy these. The problem is you cannot take them on an airplane if you are going home from Walt Disney World or Disneyland. Why not? Well, someone tweeted at Ask TSA, I know these look dodgy, (laughs) tweeting a picture at Ask TSA. But can they be packed in a suitcase? Thanks. Ask TSA. Tweeted back, thanks for asking. Replica and inert explosives aren't allowed in either carry-on or checked bags. Cute. Mm. Uh, and then the follow-up from the you know official spokesperson of the TSA was that, uh, no, you can't. You cannot bring them on a plane. In terms of a collectible, these are they're plastic bottles, you know? Yeah. They're not much different. It's not really going to break your heart. I, I gonna, assume they're cute, though. I, I think this is interesting because it, with the size, the sheer size of Disney, they can get Coke to buy buy in and make custom thermal grenades. You know that that's cool. Yeah. Like you go to a movie theater and you get one of those collectible cups, and they're dinky as shit, and you have like a small, <laughs> tiny figurine on top. Yeah, like Iron Man collectible cup. My background on my phone has been an Iron Man collectible cup for a long time, and it's just the same collectible cup they get every time <laughs> Wait, with why? like. Well, it's my little brother at uh, at Iron Man like nine years ago. 
But it's, I see. It has a little action figure on the top. Yeah, and it's like a Kinder Egg level yes. of toy. It's garbage. The detail that Disney will go to is pretty extreme. They just own everything. I mean, yeah. really cool. They uh, just did not talk to the TSA first. I mean, this is a cute story. I like the TSA got involved. I bet if you check this in your bag. You can sneak it in. I don't think it's a sneak in. I mean, people bring real guns in, in their checked luggage. Um, hunters, of course. You know, <laughs> yes. hunters, not so bounty hunters. If you buy this soda and you want to keep it, just shove it deep inside that checked bag yeah. and hope for the best. Or fill it with uh, with your favorite expensive shampoo and bring it in your carry-on. <laughs> sure, give that a shot. <laughs> That is it from us at Eater's Digest. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to our producer, Martha Daniel. Thank you to John DeBerry for coming in and putting himself through our Spike Seltzer taste test. Thank you, everyone on the beach, for being so fun and for drinking all these things and telling us about it. Yeah, thanks for raging. You know? Thanks for raging on the beach. Thank you uh, to White Claw and the other players in the spiked seltzer market for really shifting culture in the right direction we're, we're really happy that you did it um, you know a lot of people are waking up with slightly less of a hangover and, I wish uh, it was a more delicious direction I have to say yeah so I'm so not you, gonna second you on that okay if you like this show please tell a friend just one friend tell them to listen to Eaters Digest also if you have any questions for us or thoughts or really anything you just want to chat email us at digest at eater.com. We love reading and responding to your emails. Thanks for listening. Cheers. It's my first time ever saying cheers. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.